This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is In the Workplace on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here are Professor Peter Capelli and Dan O'Mara. Hey, folks. Welcome back. I'm Peter Capelli, professor of management here at the Wharton School. Dan O'Mara is at the spa again this week. And with us uh, instead is the fabulous Greg Shea, who's stepping in for Dan again this week. Greg, welcome back. Uh, glad to be here. So uh, today we got a few things to talk about. But we're going to start with things in uh, the news around human resources. And it's a pleasure to have with us to help walk us through and have something to talk about here, Debbie Bola, who is the editorial director and editor-in-chief of HRO Today magazine, and she's going to talk about what's in the news. Debbie, welcome. Hi, Peter. Hi, Greg. Thanks Hi. for having me. I, I kind of am jealous I'm not at the spa. Yeah, that's that's true, <laughs> but, but you could apply maple sugar yourself in your home. And, uh, and spa so is just a state of mind. Exfoliant, I've heard. Yeah, so. it's an exfoliant. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, a very especially when they have to peel it off. Yeah, right. If it is. hardens into a glaze, that's right. Yeah. And then you have to take it off. Uh, Debbie, just tell people what HRO today is, so you get the plug in. Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Peter. So HRO today is a leading trade magazine that covers the latest trends in human capital management. And our target audience is senior-level HR executives. Okay. And uh, stories that you folks have this week, I understand this month, I understand benefits are featuring prominently. Yeah, absolutely. For our July-August issue, which just went live this week, we are covering employee benefits. We have a special section. Ah. We even have the opportunity to feature the CHRO of AFLAC, Matthew Owenby, mm-hmm. who recently won one, or, one of our CHRO of the Year awards. I voted um, for him. Some, <laughs> yep. yes, yes, you were at the gala, yep, and yep. Um, perhaps you met him as well. Oh, I knew him before. And, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful. That's, how I, that's why I voted for him. You know, $100 <laughs> in the right hands can work wonders <laughs> okay. in these and elections. A <laughs> and a goose. Oh, my God. It's a duck. It's a duck, <laughs> Greg. Yeah, it is a duck. <laughs> and um, we have him on the cover uh, with the duck. No yeah. joke, saying HR that fits the bill. Yeah. Because oh. everyone loves a good duck pun, right? Very good. <laughs> and, Very good. And it really, you know, it's so smart because they're using their employer brand to their advantage, that Affleck duck. Yeah. Everybody knows. But when I was speaking with Matthew, he was talking about health care benefits. Huh. And every organization is feeling the pain of how much they cost. Right. They cost the organization a lot, and they cost employees a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, on average, they increase between 8 and 10% a year. That's what they're doing for them right now. No kidding. Hmm. Right. So, hmm. you know, he looked at this, and, you know, you could pass these benefits along, or the, excuse me, the additional fees to the employees, yep. the organizations, or split it. And he was thinking, we have to do something completely different, completely outside of the box. And mm-hmm. that's how they came up with the idea for the Affleck Care Centers. And what these are are on-site health care clinics that mm-hmm. employees can go to when they're not feeling so good and get, on, you know, a visit mm-hmm. to a physician for $5. Yeah. And that, then, uh, Debbie, let me just ask Greg here for just a minute sure. because – in his uh, long experience, you have seen this before. Yes, it's, uh, we were talking. Peter and I were talking before the mm-hmm. before the show, and that <clears throat> certainly through uh, maybe the third quarter of the of the twentieth century, nineteen seventy five, sort yes. of thing. Were, uh, into the yeah. so I'm aware into the eighties or so, uh, 
particularly in large plants, uh, there were uh, physicians. There was a resident doctor, right. mm-hmm. uh, which wasn't an uncommon thing earlier in the century. There were just, there weren't a lot left at that time. Mm-hmm. And with resident, they were there basically all the time, or rotated between a couple different between a diff- couple different plants. Right. Uh, so anyway, in looking at at this, there was a, a Back to the Future quality to this. Yeah. So let's just talk about that for just a second, um, and we'll get right back to you, Debbie. We're just going to seg sure. here uh, to a little history, and that is the whole idea of having employee benefits, health care in particular, as a relatively new idea. It's It started in world after World War II, and one of the reasons was in those days, inflation was a big deal, and there were government programs that tried to keep inflation down, and... Uh, Healthcare benefits um, were a way of giving people something without raising their wages, so it didn't contribute to wage inflation in quite the same way. And you could kind of duck those concerns. And of course, it's tax free as well, duck. right? Duck, you could duck them. Excellent, Craig. Uh, <laughs> Debbie, if you're keeping track, that's the second duck pun. Um, if you, you could count on that one. So it became a big deal. Um, you know, it started out as actually a small deal, right? Because healthcare costs used to be pretty trivial because uh, we couldn't do very much for people, actually. Sure. And uh, I think, Greg, the plant doctor was mainly there for accidents. Yeah, I believe um, that's true. And I think it was before maybe sophisticated worker comp. This is where Dan could help us out. Oh, Dan, where are you? We can put <laughs> the maple sugar down and give us a call. Um, so I think it was mainly there uh, to, to treat accidents and injuries. Uh, but it's completely different now. So, Debbie, tell us what uh, Aflac and other companies that are doing this have, have learned about this and why they're doing it, why they're bringing these doctors back. Well, if you think about it, when employees aren't feeling well, it, you know, absenteeism increases, people don't go to work. Yep. And then they also have to spend time going to the doctor. So if they even if they're going for a wellness check, they have to take perhaps some PTO, yeah. they have to go to the facility, they have to wait. It's not always a pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. But as we've learned, maintaining our health is the best way to live a long and happy life. So it's an, it's an important factor. Mm-hmm. So with Affleck, he, um, Matthew was saying that, you know, people register online, they have an appointment, there's no waiting, they can do it in the convenience of their day, mm-hmm. and then they're back at their desks working. So he was also mentioning that something that they were seeing as one of their most expensive line items was urgent care visits. Oh, no kidding. Basically Uh, what a care center uh, is offering, like a Medimerge, you know, you think you might have strep, you run to a Medimerge instead of your GP. So they were seeing that this was costing them the most. Mm. Through these care centers, they've seen an 80% reduction in urgent care visits and no the kidding. program. Wow. So they're saving money and making employees happy. Yeah, so they're saving money on that. They're very good in today's yeah. talent market. Oh, that's interesting. Because um, I, I think m- my recollection is that uh, the big push has been on for some time to try to get people out of emergency rooms, right? And this is part, yeah, of, what, part of what Obamacare was pushing us along uh, to try to do when it was still something you could talk about positively. Um, Or even Mm -hmm. neutrally. Yeah, even neutrally. Right. (laughs) Um, And I think, uh, you know, trying to push toward the lowest cost provider uh, in emergency rooms or the highest cost provider, right? right? Because they've got to be staffed up for the worst possible outbreak, right? So, you know, you go in with a cough, 
probably a cold, could be Ebola. <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're staffed up for Ebola just in case, right? Uh, and these are just way, way cheaper. You know, I think um, the other thing that we've heard from other companies that have started to do this is that the big savings come not even from that. It's not even from cutting down on emergency visits and dock-in-the-box places. Uh, but it's managing chronic illnesses, right, which is where I think 60% of healthcare costs are in the U.S., managing right. diabetes, uh, hypertension in particular, right? And the big thing about managing those is that uh, you got to take your medicine, right? And the big reason people have problems is they forget to take their medicine or they don't notice a difference, so they just don't take it. And the big effect of having these doctors on site is that they either just symbolically remind you to take it or they nag you. Mm-hmm. You know, they come out and say, <clears throat> Greg, have you taken the Propecia this week or whatever you're taking? Um, and Why did you pick that drug for me? <laughs> I don't know. It's in the news all the time. <laughs> It's on TV every time I turn around. Um, so they get you to take your medicine, and the savings on chronic illnesses seems to be huge. So the difference between Greg's experience, Greg's experience of plant doctors and the experience today, they both save money, but for completely different reasons, right? Although in the in my N of one, the one that I had the most... So you were working in a place yeah, I was working that had a plant that had yeah. like five thousand employees and they had a dock. Um, was just as you had said, he'd made the transition so that it wasn't, you know, in a modern uh, manufacturing facility. If it's run at all correctly, it should not have big safety problems. Yeah, they, they, they are issues that need to be handled. But yeah. mm-hmm. so he'd managed the transition to being basically a primary care doc. Mm. Uh, and so when and oh, he no knew kidding. many of the huh. people, and he would. Literally, be able to walk through the plant and say, "So you're taking your blood pressure medicine yeah. or not?" Yeah, Very yeah. much in the spirit of what you yeah. just said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All of which because he'd yeah. been this person's primary care doctor for ten years. Yeah. Right? And you know, it is amazing the extent to which uh, people delay or ignore health problems and don't take medications, um, partly because they're afraid. You know. Yeah, fear. Uh, there's a statistic. Driver. Yeah, I think I the statistic, and somebody may know this, and call us if if you do, uh, about, uh, for example, the percentage of women who follow up with um, if they have like irregular Pap smears, right? And the percentage who follow up is, I think, it's less than a majority that that follow up. You know, the doctor's telling you uh, you need to come in on this, and they don't follow up. And I think it's, you know, maybe it's money, but I think. If you're seeing a doctor in the first place, I think a lot of it is, I don't want to hear bad news. This is scary. I don't go. And uh, it's one of the, uh, clearly, a big part of medicine has to do with the relationship with the provider. So, yes, there's we can talk about commodity and medicine as a commodity in some sense. But in the end, it's it's an intimate uh, exchange between two people about somebody's well-being. It should be. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if it's not... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very different than if it is. Yeah. Right. To do I know? Do so I can know I just stop you on that? So another way to say that is, if you have uh, situation A where you're given the right treatment, but no relationship with the doctor, or the people who are giving it to you, and situation B where you get the same treatment, but you got a relationship with somebody who seems to care about you, outcomes are higher in the same case. I would case. bet. I don't yeah. have uh, access to, in my data file to that, but I would yeah. bet that's true. Yeah. Uh, for example, back to your back to your taking medicine uh, is that 
I think about a decade, decade ago I read a study where doctors asked what was the single thing that patients could, that single thing that would increase the, the outcomes of the, the good mm-hmm. Uh, and over 40% of them reported if patients would simply do what I told them to do, yeah. which included taking their medicines. Right, right. And I think the biggest um, uh, the biggest contribution to accurate diagnoses is interview with the patients, right? Uh, laying we're, eyeballs on them. Yeah, we were actually spending okay. some, some time uh, with them. Uh, folks, let's just remind you what we're doing. We're talking about health care and health care in the plant here, starting with a little with the Affleck experience on this. And with us to talk about this is Debbie Bola who's the editorial director and editor-in-chief of HRO Today magazine, featuring a story about benefits this month. Here's what might be uh, interesting to hear is if you've got a doctor in your workplace, what's your experience with that? Maybe is, just say a clinician because it, might, yeah, be yeah, a, yeah. it um, might be a physician assistant yeah. or advanced degree yeah. nurse. Yeah. What do they do for you? Uh, we'd like to hear about that. Here's our number, one eight four four nine four two. 7866 or 1-844-WHARTON, one, one, uh, if you like letters better. If you're listening on Thursday, we are live, and you can give us a call. We'd like to hear what's the experience like. If you've got a clinician in your workplace, do you use them? What do you use them for? Do you find it helpful, or is it creepy? Debbie, uh, is there, in your experience or the data you've collected, is there... Uh, is there a downside to this, having a clinician in the workplace? Ooh. That's a great question. Um, we I thought so. Heard... We thought so. Good, Greg. Go ahead. <laughs> I Can I go now? Negative... <laughs> <laughs> you earned your paycheck today. No, I haven't heard any negative feedback. In fact, AFLAC is looking to expand their service offerings Ooh. because they've had such an increase in, in employee um, participation. Okay. And they have um, employee sur- uh, surveys every year. and. They want even more, like huh. massage therapy or perhaps a spa visit, as we've talked about before. And Maple sugar? <laughs> and I really feel like a point that perhaps seems so silly or so simple is the ease of access. I mean, as busy working adults, yeah. it can be challenging mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. an easy thing to put off just getting a routine physical right. or getting right. that back pain checked up on. Yep. But when it's available to you, in your work day at your facility, I think it's used even more. So here would, would be my question, and that is, does it get overused? Uh, and again, we'd like to hear from you folks on this. If you've got a clinician in your workplace, what's your experience with them? one 844 That's 1-844-942-7866. Thursday, you're listening. We're live. Call. We'll talk. So I wonder whether it gets overused. What's your bet, Debbie? Did you hear anything about this from Affleck or the other folks you are talking to? Well, I mean, they did say that employee participation rates were very high, but they only linked it to people taking care of items that they felt were necessary in order to stay at work and get Mm -hmm. in their full work day. Mm -hmm. So I believe it's only been beneficial. I'm trying to think of a way that it would be overused in terms of, you know, just taking too much time away from their death. Exactly. It's a a trip to the nurse's office in high school. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's it. I've got that appraisal. Who wants to go to this exam? <laughs> yeah. Got... My head really hurts. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I've got a performance appraisal coming up. Ow. ow oh, I have a... <laughs> abdominal pain. It's, it's just tearing it's getting, me apart. It's getting worse. They it's might be going worse. after the performance appraisal. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's too. I mean, here's what I would wonder. I mean, a serious point is 
to what extent this starts to morph into mental health, mm. right? I mean, you don't have any mental health provider to talk to, and you know you can talk to doctors about this. And, uh, you know, I guess for the doctor, uh, I guess insurance companies have this problem too or deal with this, and that is, you know, just how much time have you got to spend with a patient? Um, do you push them out if they start coming uh, in and spending too much time with you, right? Because doctors have to figure out how to do that all the time. You know, I, I think somewhat relatedly would be what do you – I mean, I would wonder if there's a – there has to be a considerable amount of faith uh, by – what Peter was just saying, by management, say, in terms of how the doctor um, will handle his or her time. And then from the from the employee side that there's – forget about HIPAA. Uh, this has to do with – if I go in for mental health particularly, right, what kind of cone of silence is yeah. exists over our conversation? Right, right, right. Uh, right. Yeah, when you're... We actually are covering a story on how to approach mental health issues in the workforce and how to encourage your employees to be open if they're facing anything, mm. in, including stress levels yeah. that are hard to manage because it is becoming a topic that is – trickling down to organizations. Yeah. And it's got to be, I imagine, tricky if you are a doctor employed by a company and um, you're talking to patients and you learn things that might be important for the organization or useful. You know, for example, you discover that somebody's having mental health problems and you think possibly that person um, has real anger you know, at the other people in the workplace? Is that something you have Report. to deal with? I think I think doctors are required to do that. They're if, a threat to themselves or yeah, others. Yeah. But suppose it doesn't reach that level. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have confidentiality the same as if it was your private doctor? Well, and if I'm a physician, back to this issue of trust, do I trust if I report it? Does that fulfill my professional obligation oh, yeah. regarding this. Right, uh, right. If not, I've got to use a channel other than that in order yeah. to make sure that my patient is adequately tended to. Any, any, any thoughts about any thoughts about that? Debbie? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's just, you know, especially if it's being housed under HR, that there's legal documentation or requirements oh, yeah. um, set up in the agreement mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because it's such a sensitive matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Debbie, I know you got, it looks like a story on wellness, too. Is that uh, on your bag of tricks today? Yeah, so it was interesting you're talking about mental health. We have a CHRO, Lynn Herrick, from Great Call, who practices meditation and yoga. Do either of you do meditation or yoga? Peter and I are no? levitating right now. <laughs> <laughs> but both of us both of us have spouses who are yoga instructors. Yes. So, oh, excellent. Uh, so excellent. Vi- vicariously... We are limber, uh, <laughs> yes. I, th- I think. <laughs> we, we at least know limber people. Yeah, we know yeah. limber people. Yeah. But uh, you, So you know the benefits of being limber, seeing that mm-hmm. you, have, you're, you know the instructors. But she um, holds classes um, for her, her organization. And recent research from the APA found that 91% of workers at companies that support well-being through wellness programs feel motivated to do their best job. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're just examining just other ways that organizations can do more for their employees to help increase their energy, provide perspective, lower their stress, Mm -hmm. perhaps get a little more creative and, 
you know, I, I say I practice meditation and yoga, and I'm, I'm pretty zen person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, no, I think it really does help control stress levels in the workforce. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, uh, of course, I'm quite cynical uh, about things. You're great. Yeah, that, would be, that would be You're everything. <laughs> so yeah. there's nothing personal or professional about this cynicism. Yeah. Debbie, please it, just take it as a, no, it's okay. a right. It's, it's a Peter just, thing. It's a disposition. Yeah, right. Um, sure. And that is so. If my uh, chief human resource officer is mm-hmm. practicing meditation and holding classes on meditation, mm-hmm. don't you feel? Uh, like that you have to go? Wouldn't you feel a certain amount of pressure in the organization to go? Your boss says, hey, I'm holding a class here on flower arranging or whatever it is. Wouldn't you feel a certain obligation to go? I think that was a disparaging analogy. Oh, I don't know. Flower, flower arrangement is perfectly uh, useful <laughs> and is also zen-like in its own possible effects, right? I don't know. Could there really be pressure around meditating? That's oh, just, you I, know, think I think so. If you have the philosophy of, of the meditation guru, you're not going to pressure people. You're just going to welcome them if they want to attend. Well, you don't have to personally put apply the pressure for the, for the peer effects to be there, right? I'm looking at uh, Greg, the psychologist. I mean, I have uh, – th- my favorite example of this was a um, CEO that I had – I worked with for a bit who uh, never took vacation and was complaining about why people around him never took vacation. Yeah. That would be a wellness issue. Mm, yeah. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. so I Probably convinced him – Probably attention issues as well. Right. Probably. And I convinced him that why don't we just try a little experiment here, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh-huh. he announced he's going to take a week off, and amazingly, hmm. <laughs> the number of people who then scheduled a week off uh-huh. uh, shot through the proverbial roof. Uh-huh. Right now, did he so, actually cancel his vacation? No, he took and vacation. <laughs> and then we said, "I said, why don't we try two weeks?" He tried two weeks, and stunningly, the people who signed up for two weeks' vacations <laughs> went through the roof. That right? is amazing. <laughs> and I bet he was happier because he actually took some time off and went on. I vacation. think it was better for everybody. Yeah, you know? maybe. Right. Debbie, I wondered if the how much of this uh, – I mean, it's hard to argue, right, that um, despite the kidding about um, you know, having easy access to particularly um, preventative or well-being care or access to the, you know, the, the benefits of, of meditation are well-documented and, uh, as, are, as they are about yoga and other kinds of um, uh, exercise practices. Okay. Um, how much of this uh, do, you th- do you attribute to the – the growing tightness in the labor market, and then you know, when that tide recedes, which it will, as it always does, uh, that you'll see these um, also receive these types of benefits and programs. Mm. Well, I think that's an excellent point. I mean, organizations are definitely looking for ways to stand out among competitors. Yeah. But something that I find interesting is when, you know, in 2008, 2009, with the recession, right, we saw a huge spike in contingent labor in reaction to it, right? Mm -hmm. So organizations were trying to maintain costs, and they started, you know, changing positions from full-time to part-time, and, you know, they would leverage contingent labor. Well, that did not go away, right? Organizations only see the benefit of that, and now, what, 40% of the workforce is now considered contingent? Nope. Not even close. Not even close. We'll talk about that as soon as we get you off the air. <laughs> Which won't be right now. <laughs> I'll just stay tuned to find out. <laughs> yeah. But um, some research does say that. But no, I doesn't. do feel like these are being used now, but they will not go away. And I do think different types of workers, younger workers especially, are growing to expect these types of offerings from their 
organizations in order to yeah. do their best work. Yeah, I, I, but I'm sort of with Greg on this. Guess what? Cynical. Oh, jeez. Um, because we saw this in the last, uh, even in the last recession, right? So in the late 1990s, uh, the percentage of employees with health care from their employer rose considerably. And the reason was the labor market got tight, and in order to mm-hmm. compete, um, employees wanted health care, and employers gave it to them. It was maybe cheaper than raising wages. And then as the economy turned down, the percentage of workers with these benefits fell. And when we hit the 2008 recession, falls again, right? So mm-hmm. I, I I would expect, um, I'm just going to bet that even the wellness programs go away if the economy turns down. I'm going to bet that. I mean, if training budgets are cut, yeah. When the economy turns down. Yeah. And those have a more immediate, uh, at least traditional, I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't know if that I would agree with, but traditionally uh, mm-hmm. immediate impact on productivity, mm-hmm. et cetera. And, and they, they, get, they get hatcheted. Yeah. When, well, here's the amazing thing. Like during, um, in Wall Street, when the economy went down, even when it went down in 2001, uh, companies started cutting free coffee. And you think about it, what, what, what does free coffee cost, right? Uh, even in an office, it costs a couple of bucks a day, right? And they're making people chip in on this uh, free coffee thing, right? I mean, what's the, what's went through, the point I, of that? I went big organization, went through the same thing regarding bottled water. Mm. No. Getting rid of it as he Getting drinks, rid of it. As he drinks his bottled, bottled yeah. water, which um, I don't pay for here. No. Um, Which is why we overuse it. <laughs> we overuse water. It's, it's why, as a co-host, so there's flexibility <laughs> at the mic. Yeah, uh, right. D- Debbie, uh, I wondered. Uh, you have also this article about focus on or focus on flex, which is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, I, I just I wondered if you talk a little bit about <clears throat> this flexibility of benefits. Anything that, uh, like, why now? Because again, this is something that. Received quite a bit of this is before you were even born. Uh, yep. There was a lot of hoopla about it now, but uh, mm-hmm. it was a lot of hoopla the last time it showed up, which uh, it showed up as um, actually Peter and my generation uh, showed up in the workplace because the the, the issue of uh, having a bunch of people who are 25 or 30, they really don't care about retirement benefits. Perhaps they should. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But so cafeteria benefits became uh, became a thing. Right. So. Any comments about, again, why now, how it might be similar or different to uh, uh, previous incarnations of this? Sure, but at that time, were they offered to be able to customize their benefits? Yeah. You know what? These were cafeteria benefits. That's when the phrase became popular. Oh, like an a la carte. Yeah. And the reason I think it started was the recognition when we had two career couples that mm-hmm. uh, some employees would be covered by two different insurance plans and their spouses and their own. And I think some companies figured that, um, yeah, I, frankly, I think some of them figured, well, we could save some money here if you're covered under your uh, your wife's plan. Um, but then they also figured, well, if we're going to give people benefits and they can't, they're not able to use them, let's switch them to something else. So originally, I think that's where it got started from. It was around mm-hmm. dual coverage of health care. Uh, and then after that, it was designed to customize, and it did reflect the fact that recognition that people were in very different places in their mm-hmm. needs based on primarily on their age, right? Uh, and so you could allocate uh, a pool of money to different uses. You know, you can allocate it to child care. You can allocate it to um, 
more to health care budgets that you could, you know, spend tax-free, at least pre-tax. So, you know, I think that's where it got started. Uh, Now, the interesting thing is going to be, does it continue? So we'll see on that as well. Uh, Debbie, thanks very much for being with us. And next time we're going to grab you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We're going to grab you in the studio. Debbie Bola is editorial director and editor-in-chief of HRO Today magazine. We're going to take a quick break. Greg and I will do a tiny bit of meditation, and we'll be right back with you in just a minute. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 